Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. my most memorable jobs was my stint as a DJ. I actually wasn't the DJ, that was my friend Tim Anderson, but I wanted to hang out with him for the day, and so that meant I would DJ with him. Now, we had strong competition that night. It was the 50th anniversary, and the headliner was Millie and her polka band. And so there was music for one generation, we were supposed to represent the music for another generation, and we tried to do our best, but I think Millie was winning. Now, now Tim knew what to do. Tim knew how to work the crowd. He would often dance with the crowd. Um, he knew what songs to play that would get him going. Um, he was a good DJ. And because of that, he didn't really need me. I was just there to wheel in the stuff. I was just there to monitor the songs. But every now and then, every now and then, out of kindness to me, he would let me pick the song. And I forget what exactly I picked. It was probably knowing me like Ace of Bass, The Sign, which is a really great song. But he was honored because, again, here's a guy who didn't need any advice on how to DJ, but he's like, you want to be a part of it? I'll allow you to be a part of it. There you go. Have you ever had a similar situation where you weren't needed, but you were allowed to participate? Maybe it was a parent's DIY project. Like, Dad is putting up a wall in the basement, and uh, he's doing just fine. Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, but he lets you screw in the last screw just to, again, play a part. Or maybe it's mom who's painting a wall, and she did all the tough stuff. She's done the edging, she's done the taping, and she lets you go right in the middle, you know, to feel accomplished and, and get those brush strokes right. You ever been a part of that? You weren't needed, but you were allowed. 
let's turn our minds to spiritual things. That's why we've gathered. We're in a church of God. Talk about God. And what we know about God is this. He is all-sufficient. He is capable. He is not needy up in heaven. It's not like we're here because he's alone and maybe they'll give me some comfort, you know, because I'm so lonely up here, right? And it's not that his arm is so short that he can't get stuff done. No, he's got no problem getting stuff done. In fact, there's this Christian song on the radio that says, God is on the move, on the move, hallelujah. What you need to know is that he's always on the move. He's never not on the move. He's never not up to something. And what is God all about? What's his work? Well, he's not about pumping the jams like a DJ. He's not a DIY house project guy. His most famous work and the reason that we're gathered as a church is because he's calling his people home. He loves to tell people how good he is. He loves to demonstrate that through Jesus in his life. And that's why if you're new in this place, we're just so happy because God wants you to be here. God, God wants you to know him and to see that he really is good and he's alive and he's on the move. But what's interesting is that though he doesn't need us, he calls us in. See, what we're talking about today is the God I wish you knew invites us to play a part. He partners with his people. And I consider this based on the words from Matthew. In Matthew it says this, uh, uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, whose field is it? It's God's field. Whose harvest is it? It's God's harvest. So God, why are you calling me into something when it's all really up to you? It kind of reminds me, I grew up learning from Luther, Martin Luther. He's not a God, by the way, but he helped us explore and understand God. That's why we appreciate him. And he had this to say about your kingdom come. When we pray your kingdom come, this was his explanation. He said this, he said, God's kingdom, it can certainly come by itself. Do you know that? It comes by itself whether amazing love exists or not. It comes by itself whether I'm the pastor or not. It comes by itself whether you're here or not. It's going to come. It's going to use people to do that. But we pray in this petition that it may also come to us. And I wanted to add something that I thought was scriptural. And today, through us, that God would allow us to play a part to pick the tune. So that's what we do with amazing love. And, and sometimes it's a literal tune like Death Arrested. Death was arrested. I love that song. That's awesome. Great job. Sometimes in our children's ministries, we're playing the tune for them and we're teaching little ones what it is to know Jesus. Sometimes it's a simple thing as, as greeting. Uh, sometimes it's just a simple thing as cleaning. This is what we're doing. We're playing the music. We're picking the songs. And how awesome that we get that opportunity. And while God doesn't need us, please don't look down on the importance of your role. I believe there are people all around you that are counting on you to share Jesus. See, there are people in your family, there are friends that you know who still don't have the hope that is found in him. And so please don't look down on your role of inviting them, of witnessing to them, of sharing your faith. This is what God has called you to do if you're a Christ follower. But if you're not a Christ follower and you're in this place, welcome. Uh, again, you're, you're welcome to be here if, if you don't call yourself a Christian. If you have questions, we're, we're just so happy that you're here. And I want to tell you that most of this sermon is probably going to be the marching orders for Christians. So if that's not you, um, feel free to clock out. But if you are a Christian, um, these are our marching orders. And, and again, if you're not a Christian, you will hear of why we call God's love amazing. And so I'm hoping that was worth the time that it took to get here. You'll hear why we think God is so good. So let's get into it now. 
Um, our lesson for today is from Matthew. And um, Jesus is sending out his people. He's basically saying what you've seen me do and how I acted and the message that I share and the healings that I've performed, you now go out and do. I'm not going to read the whole lesson, but we're going to cherry pick just a few passages, 16, 22, and 28 to 32. So I'll put them on the screen here. First he said, I am sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? This is my favorite passage, by the way, in all of the Bible. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And then whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. He sends them out, but he gives them some warning, he gives them some encouragement, and he gives them strength. Could you turn to the person next to you and say, he cares about your hair? Some more, some less, but he cares about it. I don't know about you, but this is a great time to live in Chicago, right? I, I love this past week and the sunny weather. Yeah, I did turn on the AC. It was a little bit warm. But springtime, when you got those sunny days, anyone have just an enjoyable week outside? Anyone do anything outside? And one of the things that spring brings is a lot of birds. In fact, raise your hand if you've ever been woken up by a bird, Right? Birds, there's so many of them. I was doing some research, and, and sparrows outnumber humans, just the species of sparrows. And I guess there are like 8 billion humans, so that means there are how many billion sparrows? And that's just one form or species of bird? That's crazy, right? Uh, I had an interesting interaction with birds. We had a nest in our deck, and, and, and there was a sparrow who got caught in the nest and um, was actually hanging by his leg, and we got to him too long, or he was gone too far, and he flew to another world, and we saw him in the process of leaving this one. And... But that's birds, right? They're common. They're so common they get caught up in nests. Not against birds. I'm sorry it happened to him. I didn't do that, by the way. Wow, can I dig myself out of this hole? <laughs> birds were common at the time of Jesus. When he says two were sold for a penny, this was the currency. Um, it was an Assyrian, a Greek form of currency. There's Caesar Augustus. You can actually find these uh, Roman coins at the Chicago Art Institute. And, and these are just copper pennies, um, not worth a lot. Uh, I was seeing what they did with sparrows, and often they would just keep them as pets. You know, and, and so they didn't use them for food or anything like that, but sometimes you'd buy them as pets. Well, well Jesus, he, he brings up this whole analogy talking about the, the, the commonality of sparrows to make a drastic point of differentiation. To say sparrows are one thing, but you, you who I'm sending out, you, my people gathered at amazing love, you, every person who's walking on the ground, do you know you're not a sparrow? For sparrows are bought for an Assyrian, but you know what I bought you with? And this was his point. Does anyone know what Jesus bought us with? His blood. A disciple named Peter, he said this. 
He said, For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ. You know, millionaires have no problem giving away some money, but I think they would have a problem giving their life. Our God said, no, the most precious thing, the thing that no one else wants to give, I'll give for you because you were that important to me. You are that loved. And sometimes we can see the value of something based on the the, the price that was paid. And if two sparrows, again, are, are sold for a copper penny, we then are so much more valuable. The first point about the God that I wish you knew, and this is especially if you're just joining us or you didn't know much about the Christian thing, this is what you need to know about the God I wish you knew, that that he paid an immeasurable price that speaks of his immeasurable love for you. It's immeasurable love. You know, we're still in this church gathering and, and we're wondering how wide and high and deep and long does that love go to? And we still haven't figured it out. We haven't got to the end of the knowledge of that love. And this is for every one of you. Whether, again, you knew Jesus today or not, he displayed his love on that cross. How awesome is this? But you know, there's something about the expense that we pay and then the way that we treat it. You think of what you do with some of your most expensive items. Think, think, think right now of what, what you have at home that's your most expensive possession. Okay, draw that to your mind. What's your most expensive possession not family members don't don't not for some of you maybe you're thinking about a car maybe it was a house maybe it was a boat um for me i still remember one of the most expensive things uh buying it it was this yeah when you're a college student that seems like astronomical right I remember going to Zales and doing the price checking, and I was a good shopper. And I finally went to the L.A. Diamond District, and, and that was actually a better price. And I remember uh, the, the whole process. They would cut the ring for you in the Diamond District, size it right to a six, I think. Um, and, and then they would set the diamond. And when I paid that money, over $1,000, I won't tell you exactly how much. It was a lot, babe. It was a lot. Anyway, um, <laughs> when I paid that money, I guarded that thing with my life. Like, I was checking the drawer, like, every day. Still there? I hope so, man. You know, counting down the days where I could actually make it her responsibility to take care of it, because, man, that's a lot of money. One of the first things we did when we were in a home and renting is you got this renter's insurance that lets you uh, insure these valuables, you know? And so we yeah, we're going to insure that, baby. Don't worry about that, right? And, and that's what you do, don't you? Whenever you have something expensive, isn't it true that you take care of it and you sometimes insure it, Right? Do you know if God paid such a high price for you, here's the good, here's the good. He insures you as well. And his insurance, you're in better hands than Allstate, my friends. It's a better choice than moving to Geico, my friends. No, his insurance policy for you, it is so good. Let me tell you how detailed it is. It says that even the very hairs of your head are numbered. See, you don't even keep track of all those hairs, do you? I don't even know, and I'm a hairy dude. It's probably thousands. But God says, I love you so much, it goes down to those minutia, those details. He knows. See, sometimes we we have this thought that maybe he, he doesn't see me, and maybe he doesn't care, and maybe I'm not that valuable, but the truth is the opposite. And while he cannot judge and guard everything that happens in a sinful world, he does care for you. He knows you by name. See, the God I wish you knew. He didn't just purchase you. He took out the insurance policy on you. And that's what he was doing with his disciples, and that's what he does with us. 
He reminds us that, that again, I'm going to go with you and protect you regardless of what happens in this sinful world. I'm going to know every detail of your life. I'm going to care for it. This is a good God. But you know, we don't just buy valuable things and insure valuable things never to use them. If that happens to you, just give it to us. We're having a garage sale. Right? If we buy valuable things and insure valuable things, we want to make use of those valuable things. And I think that's the next point. If God bought you and insured you, I think he, he wants to use you. I do. I think that you're not purposeless. You, you know, so many people are looking for purpose on this world. And it is so easy to find here in the church of God. For I believe that he sends us out to give him glory. And you can find your purpose in this, even though it might be very different what you do. But he sends us out. In fact, look at verse 16. He says, I am sending you out then like sheep among the wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Sheep among wolves? What? Like, Jesus, where are you sending me to? Like, I, I thought we were going to the Bahamas, right? I, I would like, you know, something like a movie? But the wolves? We've got to talk about that a little bit. Because we've got to set our expectations right about the purposes of God and how we follow him and what it's going to look like. And if you don't settle those purposes in your own heart and soul, you're going to dis- be dismayed when it never doesn't align. Let's talk about unrealistic expectations. Have you ever had unrealistic expectations about a family member, about how something was going to go down, about a vacation? I think to keep it light today, I'm going to talk about HGTV. Um, because in HGTV, unrealistic expectations are always the first-time homebuyers. You ever watch one of those? What does a first-time homebuyer want? Right? I need five bedrooms, hardwoods, granite, stainless, for the grand total, and in the city of 125000 Get it done. Right? Go for it. And you just groan with the realtor, don't you? You're like, dear son, dear daughter, you are foolish. And sometimes the realtor shows them what they want, and it's like five times the price, right? So it can be mine or not, and they're so confused. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, no, you're going to have to compromise, right? When we have unrealistic expectations, it can lead to disappointment. Well, it's one thing to have unrealistic expectations about a first-time homebuyer, but what about our following of Jesus? If you don't have your expectations right, if you, you don't get the warning that he's putting down, you might be disappointed and dismayed based on how things go out. Because Jesus again tells us, there's going to be wolves. In fact, just scan through our lesson with me a little bit. Just scan it. It says that you're going to be handed over to local councils, be flogged. It says you're going to be arrested. It says that you're going to have family strife. Not all of your family members will get that you follow God or want to follow God. You'll be hated by everyone. You'll be called names because they called me names. And all of these things are going to happen. And so, dear Christian, what I would love for you to know is that the God I wish you knew warned us it was going to get weird. Okay? Because we're Christians who live like shocked by the fact that nothing always turns out the way we expected. We're shocked sometimes that in a sinful world it isn't just a bed of roses. And the idea that we're shocked by it does not mean we've understood his clear and certain warning about when he was going to send us out. He said it is going to get weird and it is going to get tough. 
And it's going to be hard sometimes. In fact, Jesus said in general, this passage from John 16, he said, in the world you're going to have trouble. Like that's a for sure thing. Like retirement can't get you away from that. And, and a new job can't. And a new home and a new community. It's just trouble. And yet Christians at times, I believe we're the generation who's been shocked by suffering more than anyone else. And I don't know what to make of that. The previous generation wasn't shocked with suffering. Those who went through world wars, the great generation, the greatest generation. How did we get so misguided? How is it that whenever a bad thing happens, we're wondering, like, God, are are you there? Do you know? He's already said that. My heart of repentance today is one that just says, God, I'm sorry for all the times I've distrusted you. I'm sorry for all the times I doubted your insurance policy because I knew in the midst of whatever I was going through, you were there and you cared. Does your heart beat the same? Have you ever doubted or distrusted? Then I need to tell you again, more than a sparrow, more than a sparrow, more than a sparrow, so much more. We are so valued. And the cross of Christ speaks to this. Why would he endure such suffering if not for the fact that it speaks of his love? Why would he go through that if he didn't really care? But the cross tells a different story. Dear friends, you are loved. You are cared for. You are known But there's more here. He not only sends us out, but then he shows us how it's going to be done. It reminds me of whose idea it was to be sent out. He said, I am sending you. So whose idea was it to be sent out and to do this work? Whose? It was God's. Do you know, I'm not a pastor because it was my idea. It's God's idea that we should be here. It's God's idea that we should be the church. God ordained this. It reminds me, I had a conversation where someone uh, liked what we did at Amazing Love, and I'm like, I can't take the credit for that. It wasn't my idea. And so we can't take the credit nor all the blame because it wasn't our idea. It was God's idea that we would be here and we'd work together and go this way. And so what, what, what I believe is what another pastor found. Uh, pastor Andy Stanley is one that I follow. And he has sitting in his desk uh, th- this saying. He says, okay, Lord, you got me into this, so I'm trusting you to get me through it. Right? Basically, a.k.a., this was your idea. And then what I find is this principle. He strengthens you for what he calls you to. He does. And so you can go into your, your church and you can say, God, this was your idea, not mine. Bless it. You can go into your small group and say, God, this was your idea, not mine, so help me. You can go into your family and you can go into your workplace and whatever this looks like to follow Jesus and you can say, Jesus, this was your idea, so now power me to do it. You know, it kind of reminds me of of gardening, this thing. Um, How many green thumbs are there? Green thumbs. It's growing season. I'm trying to get a cherry tree. It hasn't grown even an inch. They say it's years, but I don't know. I kill things anyway. But, but, but what's the goal of gardening? If you're a good gardener, all you can do is certain things. Like you can tend the, the plant, right? Which means you can weed it and you can fertilize it. 
and you can water it. You can make sure if it needs full sun or not sun or partial sun. Or you can do all those things, and Google will help you out. But, but, but here's the thing. Can you make or do you make that thing grow? You don't. You don't. All you do is water the thing. All you do is fertilize. You cannot make that thing grow. In fact, if God doesn't show up and bless you and make that miracle of growth happen, it's not going to turn out, right? That's a picture of our work together too. Do you know, at Amazing Love, we have responsibilities of of sharing the word, of presenting dynamic ministries for kids, or or preaching a sermon um, for having music, but, but do we make it grow? Not at all. The Holy Spirit is the heavy lifter. In fact, I love this passage from Mark. It said, look, look at the kingdom of God. This is what it's like. A man scattered seed on the ground. That's all he did. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, I like to be the sleeping one. Because while I'm sleeping, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. And it's not that he doesn't understand photosynthesis. He's a farmer. He gets the fields. It's just that he knows that God is at work to make it grow. The same is true for us, friends. If you want to follow God and you need a heavy lifter in your life, it is Him. He strengthens you for what He calls you to, and that can be our comfort for our confirmands. It's not like you're going out from this place. In fact, I would say glue to this place even more after confirmation. I would say help us out. I would say serve in ministry. I would say get in your own small group. That's what I would say. So it's not that you're leaving, but what you need to know is that He's going to strengthen you for that next stage that you've been called to. That's true if you've graduated. That's true if you've moved. That's true if you took on a new job. That's true if you're in a new season. He's going to strengthen you for what he called you to. But there's a final verse I want to end on for Confirmation Sunday. It's verse 22. Verse 22 says, But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I referred to the confirmands, and and, and you just wonder, what is God going to do through the life of these six individuals? I would love to know the collection of their experiences. You know, where they go and what they do. Some of them may be accomplished writers or musicians, uh, brainiacs. I I just love to know what their stories will tell, right? But the goal, no matter where you go, is that you would remain. Is that you would remain, that you would stand firm to the end. In fact, that's the goal of all of us. I don't know where you have been, uh, what, what countries you visited, uh, what places you've lived, what experiences you've had. I bet if we could you know, just tell different stories, there'd be different stories for days because of the opportunities and the giftedness and all that goes on. But more important than, than all the differences is the one constant, that you and I remain, that you and I meet in the end together. That regardless of the church or the pastor or the place, that you and I would gather at the courts of Jesus' feet and we would sing hallelujah to the one who has loved us so dearly. And so the real goal for us to consider today is how are you going to remain? You've got to wrestle with that question. You've got to get it down to the ground. Because if you don't have an answer of how you will remain, a lot of things can happen and get in the way so that you don't remain. How are you going to remain? Let's meet in the end. May God strengthen us to do so. But now, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just first of all thank you for your love. That you would know my name and call me to your side. Please assure everyone here that they are loved as much. Lord, also guide us now. As you send us out to do many different things for your glory, give us the strength to do it. 
and more important even than what we do is what you have done. And let us remain in the knowledge of your complete and full forgiveness. Let us remain in the knowledge of your victory won once for all so that we will remain, that regardless of where our paths cross or where life leads us, we will come together at one central point which is at your feet singing your praises and enjoying the party of heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of six young adults. And some of you may ask, what is a confirmation? Well, really, it's a course of directed study. These guys have been with me for two years. And they've been able to dig into the Bible, learn a lot about Jesus and a lot about what God has to say to us. And at this point, what they do is they're confirmed in their faith. Basically, they say, what I've been taught is what I believe. Not only do they do that, but they have a chance to give a personal testimony. That the overflow of the heart would say, you know, Jesus is my Savior who has died for me and in their own ways uh, put, put to verbiage what God means. Um, so at this time, we're going to continue with the essay portion of their confirmation. I will say that it's scary to be up here, so remember to be a good listener and, uh, and, and give them smiles. And you can also give them claps at the end of each one. We give the glory to God. God gets the glory, but we encourage those who serve us. That's how that works. Encourage those who serve, but give God the glory. Uh, so we're going to continue at this time, and Larissa Bauer is ready to go. We're going to turn it over to Larissa. To some of you, grace is just a word. To others, grace might mean the world to you. Well, grace could be described as the most beautiful relationship on earth. For example, if you were to betray a friend, grace would mean the wor- that friend would still show love and respect towards the betrayer, even though in my opinion, I don't know if I could do the same. But that is because I am just human, and as mankind goes, we sin, we betray, we fight and bigger, but God came down to save us from this sin in the form of a man, Jesus. The way Jesus would die for us after we betrayed him relates to the friend analogy. We are the betrayer and Jesus is the forever loving, no matter what, kind of friend. No matter what you do or have done, Jesus still loves you and finds forgiveness for you. Grace that God shows for us this to give his one and only son to suffer in a sinner's place on a cross shows how God's holy love proves he is our true father in his holy, forgiving ways. God would never betray, fight, or bicker with you. He loves us all. No matter what your sins are or have been, he loves us all the same and has forgiveness for us. When you feel left out, lonely, sick, needy, tired, or poor, as if no one loves you anymore, remember the most holy and perfect God loves you even if it feels like you aren't worthy of loving. At what cost, you may ask? No, not a total of $7.99. Grace means that his love is free. The best holy grace from God is absolutely free because God loves us that much that he sent Jesus to suffer, hanging on a cross, mocked and beaten, wearing that crown of thorns as mankind just watched and betrayed the Father's Son he could still forgive. In fact, in his last breaths, he called out to the Father saying to forgive the people for they do not know what they are doing. After feeling the wrath of these people, all Jesus could do was find love for them and want to show them forgiveness. The same applies today, for no matter what we do to sin against our God, when we aren't worthy of any love, the perfect Father shows forgiveness towards us. This is what God's grace is.
Nolan Kales. Of all the important terms I have learned throughout my journey to be confirmed, the one I believe is the most important is grace. Grace is what we call God's undeserved love. It explains God's immense love for all humans, and yet not one of us deserves it because of sin. It is truly one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us. Without God's grace, none of us will go to heaven because of what we deserve because of sin, which is an endless suffering life in hell. But because of his holy actions, we get to live an endless, sinless life in heaven because of God and his grace. God has so much grace that he was willing to give up his son's life to die a painful death on the cross and spend three days in the grave so all of us would be saved from the power of the devil. His grace allowed him to make the biggest sacrifice of all mankind. That shows how important grace is. It's better than any other gift you can receive on any special occasion. The best part is that it's completely free with no strings attached. That's what makes it so amazing. It is completely undeserved. One way I learned to further understand the greatness of grace is by learning God's gracious equation. It states that what God demands of us is holiness and no sin, which would give us life in heaven. But what he sees in us is sin and no holiness, which would give us death and eternal life in hell. This is where Jesus comes in. What God sent him to us, he gave us his holiness in exchange for our sins. This is what led him to his death and the ultimate punishment of hell. And when we receive our holiness, we also receive the reward that goes with it, eternal life in heaven. Grace becomes more fascinating when you finally realize how important it is to following God. It shows that God loves each and every one of us no matter how simple we really are. In the end, grace is a vital component to show that God thinks everyone is all equally important. It is God's way of making up for all the sin we have. Carly Ferguson. My, fa my favorite verse from the Bible is Philippines 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it into completion. This is my favorite verse because it shows that God will always be there for you and he is there to help you and you always have him to go to. God's love continues to pers pursue us and he will try and help you with whatever you're going through. God works all things for our good. God is always working on our behalf and he has it under control. God has promised to never leave or forsake us, and so we can be confident in his constant love. Just because one thing doesn't go your way doesn't mean God wasn't there for you. When we don't know exactly why things happen, we could trust that he is still there and he still cares. Because of his faithful love and the work he continues to do in me, I'm confident for the future and whatever there is to come. Rachel Logan. Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I like this verse so much because it is saying just enjoy life. This means take one day at a time. One can look at this verse with two interpretations, a positive or a negative one. A positive interpretation of this verse is rephrasing a famous quote that my dad uses, which means seize the day. I interpret this to mean live each day to its fullest because no one will ever know what will happen tomorrow. The negative interpretation is that the evil of each individual day is so great and so overbearing that it is hard enough to go through one day, much less worry about those days coming. I always try to postpone worry to tomorrow 
and by doing so, I will never have to worry today. I try to take one day at a time and try not to think about what is going to happen next because I trust that God will take care of me. God is watching me and helping me by giving your entire attention to what God is doing right now and not getting worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you get through any hard times that come up. Society today tends to get anxious about food and clothing. There are three things we would lose if we didn't have food or clothing. First, we would lose some pleasures. Food tastes good. I really enjoy eating Dunkin' Donuts and a Panera cookie. Second, second, we would lose compliments and admiring glances of classmates if we didn't have nice clothes. I always like to see what the latest fashion trends are, like the latest Converse gym shoes or Nike sweatshirts. Third, we would lose a long life if we had no food at all or weren't protected from the cold with warm clothes. We get anxious about food and clothing because we don't want to lose physical pleasures, human praise, or length of life. If you are feeling anxiety by these things, you have lost sight of the greatness of life. Life was not given primarily for the physical pleasures, but for something greater, the enjoyment of God. Life was not given primarily for the approval of others, but for something greater, the approval of God. A reason not to worry is that you seek the comfort of God first. He works for you and provides all your needs. The best reason to stop being anxious is that when you do, God carries whatever causes anxiety so you can be worry-free. Austin Melda. My favorite Bible verses are John 6, verse 5 through 11, which say, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked us only to test them, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There is plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. Jesus then took the loaves, gave, gave thanks, distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. This is my favorite Bible passage because it shows us that anything is possible with God. They only had five loaves of bread and two small fish to feed over 5,000 people, and this meal was meant for only just one person. This shows us that the power of God is unimaginable, and the possibilities of that power is beyond unknowing. Another great display of power was the resurrection of Jesus. For God sent his son to die on the cross to take away the sins of the world. And then three days later, he rose from the tomb. This passage also shows how Jesus is kind, kind enough to provide food to his followers who came to visit him during the Jewish Passover festival that was going on at the time. In his kindness, Jesus also bore our sins on the cross, so we have been forgiven. This was a very important festival to his people. This was to remember when God sent the 10 plagues to Egypt to warn the Pharaoh to let his people free, and he refused. So he sent plagues of water to blood, frogs, lice, flies, cattle disease, boils, hail and fire, locusts, and darkness and finally the death of every firstborn. But if the Israelites put lamb blood on their doors, they would be spared. To conclude, John 6, verse 5 through 11 is my favorite Bible verse because of the very valuable lessons it teaches us and of the possibilities of God. Lucas Rui.
<clears throat> Good morning, all. And um, my name is Lucas Rui, and this is my confirmation essay. I have always liked the Bible verse John 3, verse 16. It reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I understand that it is a well-known Bible verse, but it means so much to me. When I was younger and first learning about God, I thought that like a child does chores to earn an allowance, I needed to earn my way into heaven. I have learned that that is not the case. Doing good deeds is a way for us to glorify God, but has nothing to do with our eternal life and going to heaven. <clears throat> God so loved us that he was willing to give his only son that those who believe in him will have eternal life. It is through Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross that we are saved. Because of him, through grace alone, we will receive the greatest gift of all time, eternal life. However, we are all sinners. Our punishment should be hell. But what exactly is hell? In general, it is a separation from God and his goodness. Imagine all the challenges we face on earth today. Hate, physical hurt, depression, and others but greatly magnified and combined into one dreadful place. Yet the gospel lets me sleep at night knowing that we have been saved by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Therefore, we don't have to suffer the great pains of hell. God, our Lord in heaven, sent down his only son, Jesus Christ, to be sacrificed for us, sinful human beings. It is all because of Jesus that we will have eternal life. Through God's grace alone, we are saved. This truly is the greatest gift we will ever receive. However, not all know of this remarkable gift. And that is why it's our job to reach the lost with the love of Christ. That's why we must share this joyous news with everyone we meet. So now you can see why John 3 verse 16 is such a treasured Bible verse to me. It tells about the ultimate sacrifice that God made, giving his only son out of love for us so that we may have eternal life. This Bible verse makes me want to serve God now and for eternity. Amen. So at this time, we'll continue with their uh, rights or their vows to just follow God through their lives. And at this time, Confirmands will invite you to please stand. And I will prompt you and you can uh, repeat after me. But you are here to make a public profession of the Christian faith. Basically, that you follow Jesus and you want to continue. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, said, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe God raised him from the dead. Uh, for it is with your heart you believe and justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So therefore, uh, you have an opportunity to confess with your mouth uh, what God has done and what you believe. So do you, in the presence of God in the congregation, acknowledge that in baptism God gave you the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation? And if so, answer, I do. All right, thunder. <laughs> do you reject the devil along with all his lies and empty promises? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe all the books of the Bible to be the inspired word of God? If so, answer, I do. I do. Do you believe that what you have been taught in Acts' class about the truths of God's word is faithful and true to the teaching of Scripture? If so, answer, I do. I do. 
Do you, continue, do you intend to continue steadfast in this teaching, to endure all things, even death, rather than fall away from it? If so, answer, I do and I ask God to help me. I do and I ask God to help me. And then finally, do you intend faithfully to conform all your life to the teachings of God's word, to be faithful in the use of the word and the sacrament, and to be in faith and action, remain true to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as long as you live, if so, answer, I do and I ask God to help me. I do and I ask God to help me. At this time, as a further uh, confirmation, um, you'll come forward to receive your Bible verses. Uh, so all can be seated except for Larissa. So Larissa, you can come forward. And um, what I know about you, Larissa, is that you wear your faith on the sleeve. That you don't care what people think. You're going to follow Jesus. But more than your outspoken love for him, I hope you remember his love for you. And so your passage has to do with what you just confessed about grace. Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Congratulations, Larissa. Nolan Kales. You are a many gifted man. And uh, this is not only just with piano, which he is a virtuoso, um, but this is an intellect in many things. And uh, I, I do believe God has incredible plans for you. I, I wonder where your life will lead you. Um, but, but greater than all the earthly plans is, again, that final destination in heaven. That's his greatest plan that we would celebrate forever in heaven together. So remember those plans and be encouraged. Your, your confirmation verses, Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Congratulations, Nolan. Carly, it has been my privilege to walk beside you these past couple of years. And uh, you are a sweetheart who enjoys fun, and I will miss your laugh. And um, one of the things uh, that, that we believe is that uh, this is not the end. Uh, rather, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what it is to follow God. So I'm going to encourage you by what you even confessed, uh, that the work that was begun here in Axis class, God would continue to work in you, that you would continue to see how wide and high and deep and long is his love. Your confirmation verses Philippians 1. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you, Carmen. Rachel, and uh, by grace I've had a chance to uh, confirm all of the Logan gals, and, um, and this is an opportunity to just celebrate again your confirmation. What I was just astounded by was your writing ability, and um, I hope you continue to use those gifts and all the gifts that God has for you, but I wanted to encourage you by what you've already confessed, that no matter what comes in this life, you have a God who is with you and a God who's going to work it out. So you can plan, but don't look too far into the future because there's enough trouble for today and know that you don't have to worry because you're much more valuable than birds. Um, your, your passage is Matthew 6. It says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough, enough trouble of its own. He is with you, Rachel. Austin Melvin. Austin, it's been a privilege to talk to you about swimming. You're quite the swimmer you are. 
And I consider the strength that God has given you to do those things and to do so much. I then consider the passage that you picked, that you're talking about the power of God and the feeding of the 5,000. And I want you to know whatever life brings for you, that because he's with you, not because of your power, though you're a strong young man, because of his power, you're going to be able to handle it. You're going to be able to get through it. You're going to be able to do well. So remembering that uh, incredible power is Matthew 19, which says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. May that give you comfort. And Lucas Rui, who I think is vying for my job. <laughs> I do believe you could be a pastor, but I believe you could do many, many good things. And uh, as you continue to perform, as you continue to do many good things, remember more important again is the work that has already been done by Jesus. So you don't have to prove anything. Jesus proved his love for you, and just dwell on that. May it give you peace and hope, regardless of where life leads you, okay? So your confirmation verse is the one that you proclaim, John 3.16, God so loved the world, which includes you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.